As you can see on the screen there, uh, we're, we're kind of starting a new series today. And the series is titled Toxic. Now, let's think about this a little bit. It's a very basic message I want to give to you today. And toxicity in life, or toxicity in people, if you will, is one of the most challenging things that I know I personally uh, have had to deal with and have fought with in my own life. When somebody is toxic, they, they add negativity or upset attitudes to your life overall. It just kind of, you know, bring you down and they put you in a place that you don't want to be. Toxic people can, quite frankly, just suck the joy right out of your life. But you know what? We got to deal with them. And each one of us um, have to realize that we, we might be the toxic person in the room right now. Well, I know that as a Christian, I'm called to love my neighbor as myself. I'm called to pray for people. I'm called to care for them. I'm called to have their best interest always in my heart, always at the top. You know, and in the same time, I don't want to, as I'm loving and caring for these people and praying for them, I don't want to become infected, you know, with this toxicity either. It's just not healthy. It's not healthy at all. We need to recognize that toxic people never seem to let things go. They never seem to forgive sometimes. At times, they might be a bully throw their weight around in order to get certain things the way they want them, uh, to imitate or intimidate, I should say, other people. You know, they, they kind of lord themselves and their power and their authority over you and, you know, throw their weight around. And it's just a terrible way to live. It's a terrible thing to experience. You know, toxic people, sometimes they, they play the victim. You know, poor me. You know, look at me. I, I can't this. And I, it's, it's a way of manipulating people is what it is. Sometimes they just plain act out of fear and insecurity, creating drama, sometimes to make themselves feel more important than they are. And sometimes it, it takes place on purpose. Sometimes it takes place without them realizing any of it. So the real question today is, do you know a toxic person in your life? <sighs> toxic people are people that we have to deal with because we're called to love people and to call to love them and to pray for them and to care for them and to nurture them and to do it in a loving way and to have their best interest at the center of what our heart is all about. That's what we're called to do. We need to recognize that, again, sometimes these people have a hard time dealing with the realities of life. They have a hard time throwing or, you know, forgiving people and letting things go and, you know, the bullying and all of those types of things are, are issues that they have to deal with and you and I need to deal with accordingly. Now, I don't think that most, most toxic people, I don't think, or controlling people are... You know, I don't really think that they're malicious. Maybe they're, maybe some of them are trying to be, but I think most of them are not. Most people that are dealing with this type of toxicity, being overly controlling, 
I think they're doing this because they might be hurting or maybe they're afraid or they're, they're fighting insecurities in their life. Maybe they're craving power and attention and you know what, they're going to pout and stop until they get it. I want you to think of somebody that you know like that, that's just overbearing and somebody that is so toxic and so controlling in your life and yet how hard that is to deal with uh, always as a Christian. I want you to keep in mind that these control freaks really have a couple of different tools in their box. One of them is threats. You know, we can all kind of, you know, agree with that. You know, you'll either do this or you're going to regret it. It's a threat. If you do this a certain way, then you know, you're going to be punished. If you do this in a different way, the way I'm telling you, then you'll be rewarded. It's, it's a pure out threat. If you don't do it, then I'm going to make you pay. I mean, all these types of comments are things that you and I have probably heard for years from various different people. I'm reminded of the, you know, the boy and the girl that are dating. And the boy says, well, if I don't get what I want, then I'm going to break up with you. Or the boss that says, you know, I want you to do things. And then he's always there looking over your shoulder, always telling you what you're doing wrong and always, you know, adding that, that negativity to the whole equation. Well, you're trying your best to do, you know, your work and to accomplish things in the way that, that the company needs them and wants them done. Sometimes we see this type of controlism or control freaks with in marriages and other relationships where, you know, if, if things don't do this or happen this particular way, then I'm leaving. I'm, you know, unless you do this, I'm taking the car away or I'm, you know, whatever. There's lots of ways to, to address that negative impact that control freaks can have on our life. Again, threats is one way. Guilt is another way. You call yourself a Christian? Some Christian you are. I thought we were close. I Obviously, I can't count on you. And then, of course, after all I've done for you, you won't do this one thing? How in the world am I supposed to love people that approach me in this particular fashion, to love them the way that Jesus has called me to love them. Realizing that sometimes this negativity is intentional, but a lot of times it's not intentional. You know, the context of this story, uh, I want to share with you who we're going to look at here in a minute. Let me explain to you that Jesus was talking with the disciples in a small group. And Jesus was explaining what was getting ready to happen uh, in Jerusalem that following week as they were going to come into Jerusalem. And, and Jesus was trying to let them know, guys, I'm doing the will of God here. This is what God has called me to do. This is the reason that I was born into the world. I came here to suffer and to die and, and to provide a way home for people that would have it. But Peter, and I really think it was unintentional, he was, he was trying to do what he thought was the right, 
right thing to do. And he was trying to keep Jesus safe. So in Matthew 16, I'm going to kind of read some of the story to you here. In Matthew 16, verse 22, it says this, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. See, this, Jesus has already explained to them what he was doing, doing God's will and so forth, and yet Peter is reacting to him in a very controlling way. I don't think he was intentionally trying to be rude or to upset Jesus or contradict Jesus, but he reacted in a very toxic, in a very controlling manner. He's trying to manipulate Jesus away from doing the will of God. Jesus had just explained to him. He knew what the will of God was. And the scripture continues, and it says, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. How do we love those people that are trying to control us into doing what they see is right and not what God's will calls us to do? There's a couple of things I think we need to keep in the forefront here. A couple of things. Number one, you got to know what you're called to do. You got to know what you're called to do. You got to spend time with God. You got to spend time in prayer and thought and meditation and reading his word and in order to hear the voice of God and feel the nudges of God showing you exactly what God is calling you to do. You got to know what you're called to do. Jesus knew and clearly he told them, "I'm here to suffer. I'm here to die." I'm here to seek sinners and save them. I'm here to, to, to be killed and, and, and to be raised on the third day back to life. You know, one of the ways that you love toxic people, I think, is you define what you're called to do. Now, not everybody is called to some grandiose you know, ministry or mission, you know, not everybody is going to sell all of their possessions and become a, you know, a missionary in Uganda. It might be for somebody. But that's not really what most of us will experience as we experience the call of God on our life. God's call might be to be the best husband or the best wife that you can be. And to represent Christ in your family to the best of your abilities. It might be to be the best parent that you can be to your children. And again, to raise them in the faith and to, sh and to share with them the reason that you have so much hope in your life. And that is through you know, your relationship with Christ and invite them in to that same type of relationship. That might be the calling that God has on your life. Maybe it's to graduate school and to go into a mission or a ministry or, you know, Samaritan's Purse or who knows what. Uh, maybe, maybe part of your, your calling in life is to be a, a Christian witness in your place of work. You know, I found out and have found out the hard way. What is it that every toxic person 
has in common with the other toxic people? Well, what they have in common is someone that allows it to happen. I don't really believe that the Christian response to toxic people that are trying to control your life, I don't think the Christian response is to allow it to happen. I think lovingly and carefully, we need to address it with people. I really do. You also have to know when somebody is trying to control you. You know, Jesus is saying to Peter here, this is what I have to do, Peter. You know, Jesus is telling Peter without any ifs or, or any doubts whatsoever, this is the will of God in my life. And that raises a great, great question for each one of us. Is do you know the same type of thing? Do you have the same type of assurance in your life that where you're going and what you're doing is part of the will that God has planned for you. I, I know it's hard. You know, most of the time people, you know, they they look at their lives and their Christian walk and they, you know, they're not doing anything great and, and, and you know, it catches a lot of attention or has, you know, stadium events or whatever. And they, they wonder, you know, am I really connected? Am I really doing the things that God wants me to do? Well, remember uh, that... God has given each one of us the people that we have in our life. Whether you're married, you're not married, whether it's friends, family, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, you know, grandparents, whatever it is, God has gifted each one of us with those people and those relationships that we have in our life. Certainly part of the ministry that we are to conduct is one of introducing them to Christ through our own example. Peter, in his response to Jesus that day, he really shows us that he didn't understand the will of God. Now, Peter was a faithful man, and I don't think at all that he would try and thwart the plan of God at all. He just didn't understand it, and he was afraid for Jesus. He knew that going back to Jerusalem was going to be a real problem. And he's like, no, I just want to keep my Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. I want to keep him safe. And Peter's ready to pull out the sword. Nothing like this is going to happen to you, Jesus. I think we also need to be assured that we also find our identity in who God is in our life. You know how you control toxic people that are trying to control you. Again, you know what you're called to do. You have that assurance in your own heart that this is the will of God for my life at this time. To understand when somebody is is maybe inadvertently trying to control you, maybe inadvertently taking you off path. But also we need to make sure that we find our identity who we are, not in the people or the things that we're trying to control, but that we find our identity in who God is. And that we can honestly assure ourselves that my identity is, as, as the Bible tells us, as a child of God. I am one of God's children. Now my goal, my aspiration is to be as much of the child of God as, as I possibly can, and to fulfill the call that he's placed on my life, 
to the best of my ability. And part of that means that we have to address the toxic people in life. We, it's, it's easiest to give in to them sometimes or just to ignore them and go about our business. And, but let's face it. You know, you can be having the best day in the world, and, and, and after 15 minutes with a toxic person that's trying to control your life, man, you know, you've, you've lost several different plateaus of joy in your life. You're down in the dumps now because this one interaction with this one particular person. we got to know what we're called to do so that we don't question it. And we got to know when this person is trying to influence us in a very negative way. And don't let them, because our identity is with God. It is not with that person. Now, you you can lovingly do that. You know, we don't all, you know, you don't look at someone that's that's hurting you or, or trying to control you and say, get behind me, Satan. You know, and that would that would be a great way to to ruin a relationship. Jesus had to get Peter's attention. And yes, sometimes we need to get people's attention. And you do it, but you do it with a loving heart. I got to imagine that day that when Jesus said that to Peter, there was a glimpse of, of sparkle or love in his eyes because he truly loved this disciple. He loved all of them. But he identified for Peter quite plainly, Peter, here's what your problem is. You're thinking of the things of men, not the plan of God. And that comes directly from Satan. And then Jesus finishes up and he says to the disciples, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. What's he saying? This is is one of the most difficult sentences in all of scripture. Why? Because people don't want to do it. Whoever wants to be my disciple, here's the first problem. You've got to want it. It's, it's not something that just comes automatic. It's not something that you're earned because of behavior or anything else. If you don't want it, then you're not going to do it. You know, that's the old trick of, you know, take a horse to water. But you can't make him drink unless he wants to. The same thing with Jesus. You, you can't be a disciple of Jesus unless that's what your goal is. Unless that's what your heart wants to do. And then he says you got to deny yourself. It translate that into other words and it's like submission. I got to put my own will, my own goals, my own aspirations aside for the sake of the plan that God is unfolding in my life and in the world around me, one that I get to participate in. And that along with being a disciple is part of my plan, part of my goals to be faithful so that I can be a part of what God is doing here. And he says, not only must you want it, but you also have to deny your own will, and then you have to take up your cross. Now, this is a metaphor that, you know, back in those days, they would have understood meant giving up everything, if that's what was required. You see, the cross back then was an instrument of Roman torture. It was an instrument that said, I don't have a life anymore. My life has been nailed to this cross and I'm dying. Everything has been taken from me. And Jesus is, again, clearly saying here that if you want to be my disciple, you've got to be willing 
to pick up your cross and follow me. I'm taking my cross. But if you want to be my disciple, you want to be with me, you want to be part of my my father's overall plan, then, then you have to be ready to do that. And then he says, and follow me. You got to go. You can't just sit here and say, well, you know, here I am, Lord. You got to be willing to go wherever that might be. I want you to know a couple of things today before we close. When you follow Jesus, you're not in control. You're not in control. It doesn't mean that everything is planned for you and ordained for you and it's just going to open up in front of you and, and you don't have any choices to make. That's not the case at all. You have lots of choices to make. You have free will. <clears throat> but you've got to be willing to lay that down for the sake of God's mission in this world. The th other thing I want you to know today is that when you follow Jesus, being God's faithful child, Listen to what I'm saying. Being God's faithful child becomes your new identity. Now, that doesn't take anything away from anything else about your life. You know, being a great husband or grandfather or grandma or mom or brother, sister, friend. Whatever. It doesn't take anything away from anything else. But who I am, the essence of who I am, is a child of God. That is what it's all about. Friends, I hope that uh, each one of you will continue to think and to consider the ways that we can become more and more of God's children, especially as in life we have to deal with toxic people. Thanks for joining me, and God bless. Tough Questions for God is a teaching ministry of the Rosebush United Methodist Church where we challenge our faith with some of the most difficult issues. Tough Questions for God is available on Facebook Live Sundays at 11.30 a.m. or go on our website at toughquestionsforgod.org and just follow the links on the homepage for YouTube or via podcast. Thanks for joining and don't forget to like and share. God bless.